Hey guys, welcome back to the Friends You Can Grow With podcast. I'm Casey Placencia. I'm Matt Nespri. And we're back with Dwayne Reiner, and we're going to continue our discussion on how to study your Bible. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead. Thinking about the Bible, mm-hmm. something we hadn't talked about yet that I think could be really valuable, is the tendency we have nowadays to... Um, take the Bible and think of it as small chunks, mm-hmm. like individual verses. Yeah. Everything gets boiled down to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we've talked a little bit about how we got our Bible. I think one thing that might surprise some people is to realize that chapters and verses didn't exist in the original. Okay. Mm-hmm. They, the chapters were added in the 13th century and the verses were added in the 16th century. So they're very late in comparison mm-hmm. to when the Bible was written. Why were they added and how does that um, affect our studying now? Well, they were added. Okay, so you got to remember back before then, your average person didn't keep the Bible around their house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like the average person looking up things wasn't as uh, much of a daily practice. Okay. You know, as it got as it became more available, as it became available in, in other languages, things like that, there there was a need to be able to more easily find things. Because mm-hmm. you can, you know, in a, in a book this large, and the fact that it can vary mm-hmm. page-wise from mm-hmm. edition to edition, depending on the font size and all that kind of yeah. stuff, yeah. it'd be really hard to find stuff if there were no... Uh, references. References. Yeah. So that yeah. just, it's just a, from a practical standpoint, they just added it to make it, easier for people Mm. to find stuff the challenge with that is two things happen the challenge is one that they um is that it's caused people to think of the bible in small individual chunks Mm -hmm. so it's made people lose context of the larger paragraphs and larger thought process of the entire mm-hmm. book, especially mm-hmm. when it's we're talking about the letters of Paul. Yeah. It's done. And so what happens is people then look at individual verses. Mm-hmm. And when they take those individual verses um, outside of the context, you can come up with some faulty interpretations of what mm-hmm. it's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. So that's really important. The other thing you can do is sometimes people will come up with these very like mystical sounding things based on verses they're like Mm -hmm. did you know that the verse number so and so corresponds with the year such and such Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. means like Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with it yeah Yeah. this that there was a guy riding on horseback making designations on where he thought verses should go Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's nothing it we don't consider the verses inspired the Mm -hmm. verse numbers inspired or the chapters inspired Mm -hmm. and sometimes the chapters are great Sometimes the chapters actually are wrong. They 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 break up a thought, make us think it's a whole new thought, and yeah. it's really not. Now, is that wrong? Not necessarily. There's nothing wrong with it, and it's what works because we're all used to it. But we just have to think less of chapter and verses and more of paragraphs mm. and yeah. bigger thought processes. So you can't just stop at a chapter and think that's where the writer was ending their thought and beginning a new thought mm-hmm. like we think of our chapters. Yeah. And because the King James version was so popular and the way it designated each verse on a paragraph, Mm -hmm. that was even worse in that it made people think of the Bible as not even paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where something like a more modern translation, like the NIV, 
you know, NRSV, things like that help by bringing the paragraphs back. And so then you begin to see it as a more cohesive thought. Mm -hmm. And um, so what happens is, is you take, so you take like a verse like Philippians 4.13, mm -hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We mm -hmm. use that all the time, yeah. but we rarely use it in the context in which Paul was talking about. Mm -hmm. So what's the actual context of that verse? Well, he's talking about contentment in the midst of suffering yeah mm -hmm. and also in and doing exactly. well yeah. too he's basically saying look i can i can suffer and be mm -hmm. okay i can be rewarded and blessed and be okay <laughs> basically i've learned to be content in all of these situations because i can do all these things in fact i think they do a better job like in the niv of translating i can do all these things mm -hmm. which is a great way of putting it back to there yeah. through christ who gives me strength mm -hmm. so can does does that mean christ doesn't give us strength to do things no absolutely not mm -hmm. of course we know that he does mm -hmm. is that what paul was meaning in that verse well i don't think so i think paul was meaning it directly to what he had just talked about yeah. which yeah. was the ability to remain content yeah actually it's kind of funny i, I was thinking specifically about versions because we hadn't really talked about translations yeah, yeah. And a lot of people may have questions about why we have different translations of the Bible, different, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know, versions. And which one is the best, but it's King right. James. <laughs> well, that's, you know, when I grew up, that's what it was. And that's what a lot of people still think, right? right. Well, I think it's less now than it used to be. I yeah. do think there are still pockets of people. And sometimes it's also a nostalgia thing. Mm -hmm. You're, you grew up hearing it, so you just kind of, it feels nostalgic. When I was a kid, I thought that you could, I really only thought you read the King James Bible. Mm -hmm. And I struggled when I read the Bible as a child because I had no idea really what it meant right. because I don't speak Elizabethan English. Right. So that's kind of confusing. Yeah. So what happens with the, the King James, the challenge with that is, it's I call it double translation. Mm -hmm. So you're trans, say you take a New Testament book, you translated it, they translated it from Greek to English, but they did it in like old, old English. English. Mm -hmm. yeah. So then you have to then translate the old English into modern English in yeah. your mind. Mm -hmm. So you're basically getting two levels of translation, which is not always the most helpful for yeah. the reader. Mm -hmm. um, and also too, like the one thing that's really important to remember, and I'm not saying that the King James Version is bad, nor am I saying that it's teaching any kind of faulty theology or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying when they did the King James in, in 1611, they had only had, they only had a, a much, they had a much smaller number of m Greek manuscripts to look mm -hmm. at from the New Testament that he translated mm -hmm. from. Well, since that time, we've been able to find through archeology span thousands of more. Mm -hmm. Now, none of that changed any of the basic tenets of theology, but there were like little variations that we saw that the modern translations take into account that give us a, probably a bit more accurate view than the King James had. So when you use the King James and then the New King James, the New King James didn't go back and retranslate from the newer manuscripts they basically just took the king james and just updated the language mm -hmm. so that's sometimes that's why people see variants and they'll be like oh the niv it's watering down the gospel it changed such and such and in reality because it changed from the from the king james mm -hmm. in reality that's not at all what's happening yeah. the the niv committee is made up of all kinds of denominations baptists pentecostals mm -hmm. methodists presbyterians it's a wide range of people and there's good people in there uh, people who love the Lord. And so what they're doing is simply just saying, hey, look, this is the most accurate translation based on the, mo the most up-to-date um, findings that mm -hmm. we've gotten. And nothing they've done has changed any major tenet of theology. It's just helped to 
get the the wording more accurately to what was the original. Yeah. And um, so that's important to remember. And so when you, so that's why if someone wants to use the King James, that's great. I just advocate why, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's not that, I mean, people still read Shakespeare and get stuff out of it. That's great if you enjoy that. But would you, uh, if, would you see, would you go see any other play written mm -hmm. as a Shakespeare mm -hmm. play other than Shakespeare? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You go for Shakespeare to enjoy Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you would, if you were going to another Broadway play. Like a Seussical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you went to any Broadway play yes. and they started using Shakespearean language, you, you would be like, I don't, this is not working for yeah. me. Yeah. Because you want to hear it in the language that you best understand. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I say, like, if you want to read the King James at Christmas, because it's, you know, it sounds great yeah. on Charlie Brown when Linus says the <laughs> right. King James. It does. It sounds awesome. Like, that's okay. Yeah. It's just like, maybe that's not the version you want to use every single day. Yeah. But some people like it, and that's cool if you do. Mm. So there, there's different translations. It's the reason it's it's it all comes down to it's not about what's more accurate it's it's what a, it's more about the style that is translated so what you have is you have a continuum so you have what they call formal equivalent or sometimes it's called literal translation mm -hmm. and that means more like word for word literal is not really a great word to use for it because when we think of literal we think of more accurate and mm -hmm. that is not true mm -hmm. um the more the more literal does not necessarily mean more accurate it okay. just means it translates it word, word for word, word for the most part <clears throat> but even then it doesn't translate it word for word that's what people are like i want a word for word translation i promise you you do not want a word for word translation mm -hmm. because it's unintelligible mm -hmm. yeah when i you know if i translated to you john 3:16 which i've done before uh if you translate it literally word for word, it makes absolutely no sense in the English language. Mm -hmm. So even the literal word for words have to change it because Greek mm -hmm. grammar doesn't follow yeah. the same order that yeah. English grammar does. So even a word for word, literal English translation is not a word for word translation. Mm -hmm. It can't be. So even that, but what it's saying is it tries harder to be word for word. Yeah. Yeah. So that's on one end. Then in the middle, you have a dynamic equivalent. Dynamic equivalent would be like your NLT, your NIV and your new NRSV, New Revised Standard Version. So those are kind of more your dynamic equivalents. Mm -hmm. um, and those basically are a good way to think of those are thought for thought. Hmm. So like if you were trying to explain to someone who lived um, a thousand years ago, the phrase, you hit the nail on the head. If I said that to you, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Mm -hmm. A person a thousand years ago doesn't know what I'm talking about yeah. because that's an idiom. Mm -hmm. It's something that yeah. makes sense to our culture, but wouldn't to them. Well, the Bible is full of idioms mm -hmm. that make no sense to our culture, but did make sense back then because it was mm -hmm. part of the common language and they used them. Mm -hmm. So what the NIV and NLT people, what their translators there said was, look, let's just take the idioms and let's translate them into figures of speech that mm -hmm. makes sense for a uh for the culture we're in right mm -hmm. now yeah and the odds are if we were to continue for another 500 years our culture they would have to update the idioms again yeah. mm -hmm. for that culture because things will transition and change mm -hmm. the word of god's not changing it's just the expression so it's understandable yeah. to people hmm. yeah so that's in the basically i would say in the middle of the continuum then on the far end of the continuum you have what's called like free translations mm -hmm. or sometimes they're called paraphrase mm -hmm. so that would be something like the message or mm -hmm. the passion translation so 
in those situations, those are ones where usually it's translated by one person. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's translated from the original Greek and Hebrew, and sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. Like in the case of the Living Bible, was not translated from. It was it was just English made into a more paraphrase. Hmm. Uh, but then, like something like the Message was translated from there, but it was still heavily paraphrased mm -hmm. in a sense of it becomes a lot freer that's mm -hmm. why i call it a free it's like taking the yeah. dynamic equivalent and going really far with it mm -hmm. some of those can be okay i just don't think that should be your daily driver for your bible mm -hmm. because for your bible study i think e either like in um your middle of the road like your dynamic equivalent is a good choice like mm -hmm. niv or nlt or if you wanted to do a, a more formal equivalent uh, an option would be the esv mm -hmm. a good option for that or the nasb Okay. So those are the kinds of translations. So when we talk about the different translations, they exist because they're on a continuum of basically stylistic mm -hmm. changes. Some people prefer one type, some people the other. I actually tell people use all three mm -hmm. um, when you're studying, especially now that you have access to websites like Bible Gateway yeah. mm -hmm. or the Bible uh, app. Mm -hmm. Use all of them. Because they help you just to see the full nuance of mm -hmm. what the scripture is saying. And so when you're trying to study something, you should actually look at all three of them. Yeah. There's a couple, I will say there are some, I have some deep reservations about the Passion Translation just mm -hmm. based on the, and this purely comes from hearing the the man who translated it, his viewpoint on um, some things and his translation methods and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They give me a, I just say they give me pause. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I say that one with reservation. Yeah. Um, and I know it's become popular in a lot of circles. So that's why I say that because I have some concerns about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So that's basically the translation. Uh, how uh, That's when you're picking a translation. That's basically mm -hmm. what you're looking for, yeah. those different types. And um, and that, that, that kind of helps you to understand why we have different translations because mm -hmm. you're just picking stylistic ways to inter to translate a foreign language yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i i like that we're talking about this because um i think there is that kind of idea that one translation is is truer to the mm -hmm. original than another um but we have sitting at the table with us someone who speaks greek um it's you or you studied Greek. I did, yeah. And you don't read the Bible in Greek every day, no, do you? No, I don't. No. But but if we were to say which version of the original Greek Bible would be most accurate, the original, very original Greek. Yeah. But yet someone who studied Greek in college, mm -hmm. even you don't read the Bible that way. No. Yeah. I still, I mean, I, I'll look back at the Greek sometimes to study some stuff. Mm -hmm. um, it's really not important for someone to know just... It's it's great for someone who whose job is to teach people about the Bible to understand Greek yeah. and to have studied it is definitely not necessary yeah. for your average Christian to understand Greek. In fact, sometimes what happens is I get a little bit concerned because people will say, and the Greek says, yes. and they have no idea what the Greek says really yeah. says. Right. They know what someone told them. I mean, mm -hmm. for exist for example, um, you may have heard this one. Someone will say, There's a Greek word called dunamis. Uh, it means power, and they'll say, "What look, from the Greek word dunamis, we got the idea of dynamite. So the dynamite power of God mm. is that what the writer meant when they wrote the word dunamis? I doubt it. 
would they have even conceived of the idea of dynamite? Mm -mm. No, mm -hmm. they simply that's a see that's a false way of doing a, yeah. a yeah. word. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a fallacy of etymology. Mm -hmm. They took an English word derived from a Greek word. Mm -hmm. They used that to describe something created in the modern world. The ancient writer could have never conceived of the modern thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. that modern item, dynamite, could never describe mm -hmm. God's power. It is described in and of itself in the ancient terms. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. When you so that's where people can actually go off the rails by going into the Greek when they really don't understand the Greek. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that isn't correct to call it the dynamite power of God. That's actually incorrect, and it actually violates what Scripture is actually saying. Mm -hmm. Because then, like we said in a previous episode, you're now reading into Scripture yeah. a modern concept. Yeah. Even there's other challenges too. Now this one gets really weird. It can really ruffle people's feathers, but like the idea of agape. You've mm -hmm. probably heard the three types of love, right? Agape, mm -hmm. yes. phileo, and eros. Yeah. Yeah. Agape meaning God love, phileo meaning friendship love, eros meaning uh, like love between uh, husband and wife or something mm -hmm. like that. So it's interesting in that there is, with Greek words, a range of meanings. Mm -hmm. And so you have to look at the context to know if something really, which word it really means. Mm -hmm. For instance, we say that agape means the god kind of love mm -hmm. well if you go back to the greek translation of the old testament that they did back in in before jesus was born mm -hmm. they did this translation so they were very familiar with greek they knew how it worked they were translating the old testament to greek because a lot of the jewish people couldn't speak hebrew anymore mm. so they started doing it there's a there's a uh, a passage where david one of david's sons rapes his half sister right mm -hmm. says he loved her now you would expect if those three designations of love are accurate, mm -hmm. what word would you expect it to use? Eros. Eros. Of course, right? Yeah. Lustful kind of love. Yeah. It uses agape. Hmm. That is obviously not a God kind of love, right. nor could you ever describe that as a God kind of love. Yeah. So what it just shows us is that there's a range of meanings. And so mm. we have to look at the context of scripture before assigning to it. So if we were to look at that and you believe, well, only agape can mean God love, mm -hmm. then you would have to do some exegetical hoops mm -hmm. and, or, you know, jump through some exegetical hoops in order to try yeah. to prove that why fit. that's a God yeah. kind of love. Yeah. Well, obviously it's not. And you would never want to do that right. because it doesn't yeah. in any way describe God. So then that's when you have to say, well, what we have to look at is say, okay, there's a range of meaning. And the context means mm -hmm. he did not love her. Yeah. He might have yeah. had some lust, but it was not true love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And definitely not an unconditional kind of love. But if we see it then agape applied to Jesus, mm -hmm. then we know based on the context and how he, he mm -hmm. treated people and how he did things, that was an unconditional love. When it says God so loved the world, mm -hmm. Obviously, that's an unconditional God yeah. kind yeah. of love because of the way it was displayed through the giving of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And that really goes for any word, Hebrew, Greek, whatever. You're looking for the context of the scripture to understand what the meaning of that word is. Mm -hmm. And that's why, going back to what we started talking about at the beginning, you gotta stop, we've got to stop looking at the Bible as individual chunks, mm -hmm. and we've got to look at the broader context of each passage. When mm -hmm. you read... A sentence in the Bible, you need to be asking, what does the whole paragraph say? Yeah. Then you need to be saying, well, what does these whole next four or five paragraphs say mm -hmm. before and after it? Then what does it actually say in the entire book? What's the whole yeah. thought process there? Mm -hmm. And you go through that process in order to, to really get to the heart of what that's meaning. Yeah. Otherwise, you can 
you've seen people probably take individual chunks oh, of scripture yeah, yeah. and go off the rails with it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So I want to just bring up a question that I could easily have and see others having. Um, as we're talking about, we want the full context of the verse, the chapter, the book. Most Bible reading plans are not that way. They're segmented mm. by either a verse with a Devo or yeah. a chapter. And, and so how do you, I guess, find out the best way to study your Bible? If we're saying that what we want is the full context of the verse with the chapter mm -hmm. and, and possibly the book, yet the Bible plans that are mostly available are not really set up that way. How do you advise people on, on doing that? Well, there's a practicality to that in that if you were to try to give it to somebody and say, here, I want you to read an entire book of the Bible on Monday. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't going to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just hard. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're just getting into the nature of, of regular reading of the Bible. Yeah. So there's a practicality aspect, which is fine for it to be one single chapters. But that's where, as you're reading, what you want to do when you're reading through a book is you might even keep a notebook or mm -hmm. a journal, or you might be making some notes of what did I see in these previous ver these mm -hmm. previous chapters. Now I'm bringing it into the later chapters. Mm -hmm. That's also where a study Bible is going to keep up with a lot of that context, mm -hmm. and they're going to be the notes they're giving you in the study Bible yeah. are going to direct you to things that you've already mm -hmm. read, or they might link towards some things there. Mm -hmm. One of the great things like the NIV does is they put all these footnotes in there, mm -hmm. and it directs you to other passages yeah. that have a, a correlation to that. So that then links to it. You can go and look at that and say, oh, okay, I see where this other passage was talking about the same thing, or this was talking a similar theme. Mm -hmm. So that also helps you. But mm -hmm. I would say that's, again, going back to getting a really good study Bible is the best place to start. Mm -hmm. Because while you're reading, the notes are right there. You don't have to mm -hmm. go look into another book. And it's going to be feeding you some of that context. And then don't be afraid to go back and look at the chapter you read the day before, glance over it mm -hmm. or two chapters before and say, oh, where was this going? Sometimes too, honestly, when I'm reading, especially when I'm reading the letters in the New Testament, a lot of times, I, even though the plan has you read one in a day, I'll often read the next because I just see that Paul still, he's on a roll. Yeah. And I'm like, I kind of want to know, okay, what is he saying? Yeah. Let me get this whole idea. And so maybe yeah. you read a couple extra, you know, that day or something like that. And that's okay if you have the time. But it, like I said, if not, that's where a, um, something like, like a good study Bible is going to help. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to go a little deeper, something like a, a commentary series, like NT writes the Bible for everyone, yeah. uh, the new Testament for everyone commentary series is a great thing because it's almost like a devotional and a commentary all mixed in one and it, but it keeps you in context of the scripture. Mm -hmm. So that, that part's really helpful when you're doing that. So, yeah, I feel like the Bible is a book that is meant to be read how most of us were not taught to read. And by that, I mean like growing up in school, you're taught to finish this book so you can make a report on it mm -hmm. or finish this chapter a day mm -hmm. or whatever. But really, I don't get the sense that the Bible was written like that. It seems to be more something you're supposed to read and stew over and, and meditate on, as mm -hmm. we say. Well, that's where you go back to Hebrews, you know, where it says, it says the word of God is living and active. Mm -hmm. 
you know, sharper than a two-edged sword. It's living and active. That's really what separates the Bible from any other book is because of the, um, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and his anointing, there's a living quality to Scripture as opposed to any other book that you read once the author writes the book. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's all there is to it. And you just read it and you enjoy the story or you take a few principles away and that's it. Mm-hmm. But the Bible's living. So it's like a living, breathing document that continues to go with you every single day. And so what happens is as you read a chapter and then you go back and read that chapter again, there's things that the Holy Spirit brings to your mind because of the circumstance you're in. So say one day you're dealing with this and you read a chapter, then you come back six months later, you read that same chapter, but you're dealing with different things in life. All of a sudden the Holy Spirit's bringing to mind new things that you didn't Mm -hmm. think about because you were living, you weren't living through what you're living through now. Mm -hmm. And so it's living and active and that is constantly bringing up new application ways, new ways to see it, new ways to use it in your life. And so the meaning hasn't changed, Mm -hmm. but the application has changed because of your circumstances and the Holy Spirit is continually giving you that new application. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and also too, sometimes because we're still learning, it's not that the meaning has changed, but you have new insight into the meaning Mm -hmm. too, because maybe you've studied more, maybe you've been, uh, someone's been able to show you something that you didn't see before that other people have seen. I will say this is just an aside warning. If you come up with a, an idea about scripture that no one else in history has ever come up with, mm-hmm. don't tell anybody about it. Mm-hmm. It's probably not accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, the, that's the thing about the Bible is there's, there's strength in a company of witnesses, mm-hmm. a cloud of witnesses. So if I think up something from the Bible and I'm think and I see something and I'm like, wow, this is really interesting. I'm seeing something here. I immediately go and try to see what other people have said about this. Yeah. Because I'm very leery of anything that I think up that no one else has thought up. Mm-hmm. Because novel ideas are where usually heresies started mm-hmm. in the old, in the early church. Yeah, they would come up with novel ideas and and they would go with them. Yeah, i.e. Mormonism. Yeah, you know, or Jehovah's Witness Arianism. Right. It's yeah. they're novel ideas about God that aren't reflected in the larger. Mm-hmm. cloud of witnesses of and we have now 2000 years of a cloud of witnesses to yeah. to to draw off of if no one in those 2000 years has had that idea that's probably there's probably, probably a reason, reason. Yeah. yeah and you probably shouldn't yeah. go down that path yeah uh-huh. so i like to the, i like to stay in the security and strength of the the gospel witness of the church the big c church mm-hmm. meaning church past and present yeah and is there a certain way when we're studying our Bible that it's best to interact with our Bible? Is a, is a physical copy best? Is digital? It, does listening give me the same benefit as reading? Well, you know, this is going to be, you know, as Paul writes, this is I, not the Lord. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be my opinion on this. Okay. And it's going to be different from some people. I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. I like digital copies because I like to be able to have, I use the Logos Bible program. Mm -hmm. I like to have 3000 books at my disposal. Anytime I want to look something up that for me works best. Other people can't stand a digital Bible. And for those people, they shouldn't use it. If it distracts you from reading the Bible, you shouldn't use that, whether it's physical or digital, Mm -hmm. whatever works best for you. 
The point is that you read the Bible. Yeah. The point is not the medium in which the Bible is said. And as far as listening to the Bible, you got to remember for the first thousand so years or more, 1500 mm-hmm. years, most of the way that people received the Bible was auditory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or actually, if you want to go back to the Jewish culture, even more so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So auditory learning is really was the preeminent way people learned about God until mm-hmm. like the Renaissance, mm-hmm. you, know, the late, you know, the printing press, basically, yeah. till Gutenberg's printing press. Before that, almost everyone exclusively heard the mm-hmm. Bible spoken. And that's in the original when the Paul's letters were originally distributed to the churches, they were always taken and read to the church Mm -hmm. and they listened. So listening is actually a really great way to get scripture in you. I still think it's good to read it since we do have it available, Mm -hmm. but I think both methods can actually have a lot of value. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you're read, if you're listening to the Bible, you're basically right there with all the early Christians because that's how they, received it there weren't multiple copies floating around right uh-huh. there's one copy and one person read it yeah and because again they were super expensive to produce yeah. and maintain and literacy was low literacy mm-hmm. sometimes could be low depending on the place and plus mm-hmm. especially you know early christians where there were a lot of slaves and other mm-hmm. things so mm-hmm. you know it's just they weren't didn't have access to the the learning that other people did so yeah. it just wasn't ubiquitous so they they heard mm-hmm. so that's that's why I don't get super hung up on the medium mm-hmm. because the mediums will will vary. I mean, like I said, before Gutenberg's printing press, forget print or digital, there right. was nothing. Yeah. There was no option. Yeah. yeah, there was no option but to listen because the church had one copy uh-huh. and it was in Latin and you couldn't read it. So yeah. that's the thing. So now we have options. So you can't really say, well, one thing is obviously better than the other. It's just progression of technology has enabled mm-hmm. scripture to be more readily available. Mm. Yeah. So... I think not everybody's going to agree with me on that, but that's kind of where I tend to land. I think you need to find the co- the type of Bible that works for you mm-hmm. and consistently use it. Yeah, it's kind of like you know, it's kind of like anything. It's like it's like people are sometimes with exercise about what workout plan should I do? <laughs> the one you're willing to do every day. Mm-hmm. That's the best plan. <laughs> Some people say that with phones. Or like with cameras, they're always like, which camera is the best? The one that's in your pocket, the mm-hmm. one that yeah. you have with you mm. because you have it available to use. Mm-hmm. So if you're not using something, it doesn't matter what someone says about, well, this should be better than this. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really have a, you need to be using it. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of how I look at that. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think one of the things we hadn't really talked about as much is just a process of finding application. We yeah, talked a lot about that be because obviously it's good to have information, but ultimately we want to have an application to it mm-hmm. too. We want to find yeah. what is this meaning? What is, what is this meaning? How does it apply to me? Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's some process to do this. There's some questions to ask is a good thing to ask when you're reading something. Is there a command there? Do I see a, an example to, to either follow or an example to not follow mm-hmm. negative and positive example? Is there a promise in the scripture? Is there a warning in the scripture? Um, what was the, what did the writer intend? How did he intend the people to respond that listened to it? Those are good questions to ask as you're finding application. Cause that's going to inform you. Um, then you're going to look at how the, do you see those principles repeated in other books of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing to, to recognize. Um, and then do you, how do you see the application uh, with the application that was intended? Was that tied to the specific culture or was that meant for everybody at all time? 
again, that would go back to the law, mm -hmm. those types of things. Yeah. And then you want to identify those principles from the scripture that apply to everyone mm -hmm. across time. And you want to find those principles then, and then you want to translate them into your context. Mm -hmm. So when Paul's talking about slaves and masters, thankfully, we don't have that issue in American culture, mm -hmm. but we do have workers and bosses. Mm -hmm. So could you find a translatable context? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, when you talk, when Paul talks about dealing with leaders and government leaders, well, they, he had an emperor. We don't have an emperor, but we have a president. We have mm -hmm. a Congress that we may or may not agree with at times. And, and his words gives us, uh, we can easily translate that to our context. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we identify that? Yeah. So basically you're just wanting to ask those questions. What's in this passage? Are they commanding people to do something? Are they promise? Is God promising something? Is, is it just a, is it just a story? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for what's this person doing? Are they honoring God? Are they dishonoring God? Okay. Mm -hmm. This is giving me context on what I should be looking for. You know, am I going to be copying them or not? Mm -hmm. And, and then you want to say like, what, what did God want those people that first heard it do? And there's a good chance that what he wanted them to do principally is the same thing he wants you to do. So if you go back to the idea of Leviticus with all the laws, even though you may not apply it the same way, such as, you know, their rules on food mm -hmm. and dietary stuff, mm. the idea was keeping yourself holy to God, separating yourself for the purposes of, that God has for you. Mm. Well, that's very applicable to now. Whereas you might say, yeah, I could do this thing, you know, but if I want to keep myself holy and separate to God, even though I could do this, I'm going to do, I'm going to make a different choice. Mm -hmm. And that's the application you take from something like Leviticus. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, and that really applies throughout all of scripture. You're doing that basic concept. Yeah. Cause as you've said before, the Bible is one entire book, but several books together, but they all tell the same story throughout. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. whether I'm reading Deuteronomy, right. Daniel, Hebrews, I should always be able to find the similar thread right. that goes throughout the Still whole Still the Bible. same God. Mm -hmm. And also, too, we have to recognize this is the part where it's really important to, to bring this to bear. We're not doing this alone. So if we're a follower of Christ, we have the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in us, which means we have the same spirit that inspired the authors to write mm -hmm. are is helping us to illuminate the scriptures for yeah. us. Mm -hmm. So we're not trying to figure this out on our own. This isn't just an academic exercise, although there are things we learn. I mean, so far the Holy Spirit has yet to give me a definition for mm -hmm. a word. I'm not saying he couldn't, but it hasn't happened in all the years I've been studying. So there is an element to where you apply yourself to study, mm -hmm. which we do see re reflected in scripture. Mm -hmm. However, there's things that it doesn't matter how academic you are. It doesn't matter how much learning, how many PhDs you have. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're going to miss the fundamental things in Scripture because God is the one who can reveal the mind of God. Yeah. And so that, that's what we're working with is the Holy Spirit um, giving us, uh, 
making us aware, more aware of the Bible's truth and convicting us Mm -hmm. of things that maybe we need to change and convincing us of truth. Mm -hmm. Those are things that the Holy Spirit's working in us as we're reading. So it's not a solo process. Also, you have the church helping you, Mm -hmm. but even when you're sitting by yourself, it's not a solo process. The Holy Spirit is working inside of you. So before you begin reading scripture, you should just pray, just say, Lord, I just open myself up to to your truth. Hmm. Help me to hear. Help me to have ears to hear and and heart to receive what you're saying. And and listen to the Holy Spirit as He's leading you. Mm-hmm. So that's important to remember. This isn't about how much schooling you have in order to understand the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's more about are you open to the Holy Spirit. And then if you're open to the Holy Spirit, you'll get excited enough to learn more and apply more so that then it enables the Holy Spirit to do even more in you as you study. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, at the end of the day, I think one thing it's easy to forget is that we all have the same access to God and the Holy Spirit, you know? Right. You don't have a greater access no. than I do or, mm-hmm. or Casey does or Alan doesn't have a greater access than anyone. And that's the difference between now. One of the differences now between now and back, say, like in the Middle Ages. So there was a guy named William Tyndale. He was the first guy to translate the English Bible from the Greek Mm -hmm. uh, and Hebrew. And it was controversial at the time because the church at that time, the Catholic Church, did not want him to do that. Mm -hmm. And to the point where he was ultimately killed for doing it. But he had this saying, he said that when he was done translating, he wanted to ensure that the plowboy in England knew as much about scripture or more than the Pope himself, hmm. which was a complete reversal of how things had been done to the past. And that's really the point of it. We now have the Bible so available to us that anyone, literally anyone, regardless of their background, regardless of where they came from, regardless of the job they have, we all have the same access to read God's word, mm-hmm. understand God's word, and apply God's word to our life. Mm-hmm. Everyone is capable of understanding and applying the word of God to their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really important to, to take to heart. Nobody is incapable of learning how to study the Bible and also just learning from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone needs to, to really believe that because it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a pastor. It doesn't matter if you're a professor. It doesn't matter anything. It doesn't matter if you're a school teacher. It doesn't matter if, if, if you um, stay at home and watch kids. It doesn't matter any of that. It doesn't matter what job you have, what background you have. Every single person from, an, you know, from any type of job has the ability to understand and apply yeah. God's word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you give us an example of what that would look like? If we well, if we were to take a passage or a scripture, what what that would look like to take it with all its context, with all um, its themes, and see what we can get out of it. Well, this is just a really quick. So I won't read the entire passage, but it's from Matthew uh, nineteen. It's verse. The passage is sixteen through uh, twenty nine. Mm-hmm. But it's the story of the rich young ruler. Okay, okay the rich young man. So. If I were going to look at this whole passage, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at this and I'm going to, first of all, read the chapter, but I'm also going to see that um, uh, 
Jesus is talking to a group of people. He's left Galilee, according to this, and, and he's in the region of Judea. So that gives me some context of where he's at. So now Gal- I remember from reading other stuff, okay, Galilee was his home base, Judea. Mm-hmm. He wasn't always the most popular with the leaders there. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so now I've got a little bit of context here. He's talking to him. He starts by talking to him about divorce. Mm-hmm. Controversial. Controversial now, controversial back then. Yeah. Not any different. And um, he, they're questioning Jesus mm-hmm. and he's talking, he's basically bringing up a reversal of things, the way they did things. And he's saying, I'm going to turn that on his ear. I want you to think about it this way. Mm. Okay. So already we're seeing from the passage, he's talking about reversal. Then he goes from there, verse 13, he, he they bring the little children to him and then they try to, you know, they try to move them. The disciples try to move them away because yeah. that was the way their culture was. Mm-hmm. And Jesus countercultures. Mm-hmm. He bring. He says, "No, let the children come to me. And don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to these." Mm-hmm. Again, reversal. Yeah. A li- different way of looking at the world. Basically, it's a saying, "Hey, God's kingdom looks at the world differently than you guys have been looking at it." Mm-hmm. Okay, so we see that. Now we go into the passage I just talked about, sixteen through twenty-nine. The rich young man comes. So, up. with that as our context, Jesus. Not on his home turf, doing a lot of reversal. Yeah, he's teaching them things that are controversial, showing them a new way that the kingdom of God operates. Yeah. Now, at right, basically at the same time, where the right after the children come, basically who were loved but not important in society, seen or heard. Right. Then we have a rich young man come up. Okay, now this is somebody who everyone respects. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's a ruler. He's a he's some kind of leader. He's rich, He's which man. meant something. As a man, he definitely mm-hmm. had more status than back in that culture yeah. than, than women did. So you got all these things, okay? So he comes up and he wants to be part of Jesus's group. Mm-hmm. So Jesus does the, again, the unexpected thing. Hmm. He says, go and sell everything and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the surprising thing, right? Yeah. In that culture, you would want the rich guy to be part of you and you would want him to bring his money with him. Yeah. You would want that esteem. You would want that honor. You would want the respect that comes with money. And Jesus does the exact opposite. He says, give it away. Mm-hmm. So don't bring any of that to me. Mm-hmm. And then you can come with me. And guess what? You'll go, you'll become poor, but you'll become rich. Mm-hmm. Again, the reversals. Yeah. The kingdom of God lives in a reversal of the way this world works. Mm -hmm. So we see that again. And then he leaves, okay, Mm -hmm. downtrodden. And and Jesus doesn't stop him. And then he says, again, this is where he surprises his disciple. He says, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Now that's kind of a hyperbole. Okay, so is Jesus saying no rich people are going to get saved? Absolutely not. Of course not. But that's hyperbole, which is a conscious exaggeration for effect. Jesus is making exaggeration to say, look, if you care about riches more than you care about the kingdom, Hmm. that's going to be problematic. Mm -hmm. Again, now this is where the historical context helps. Have you ever heard someone try to describe that the the camel through the eye of needle was actually a hole in the wall in Jerusalem and a camel Mm -hmm. could get on its knees and go through it? That's not true. <laughs> Someone, I don't know who made that up, but it, it was sounded very. It good. sounded interesting. Yeah. yeah, it's not accurate. Okay, good. there was no, there was no uh, needle eye that camels would would crawl, crawl through. through. Yeah. That didn't okay. exist. Jesus was literally literally meaning the eye I of a needle. needle. Again, per- hyperbole. He's like, yeah. it's, it'd be easier for that camel. It's, see, Jesus yeah. used all kinds of cool figures of speech and yeah. stuff. And oh. and that just that's showing you how difficult it is for someone who loves riches more than God to enter the kingdom of heaven. And mm-hmm. again, 
in that culture, riches were esteemed. You would think a rich person would be blessed by God mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because they're, they're rich. Obviously, they must be doing something right. And Jesus is saying, hey, not everybody who's rich is doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And God cares more about where your heart is. And then he says, then he says, but then Peter's like, but we left everything to follow you. And then mm -hmm. Jesus does another reversal. I'll tell you what. At the renewal of all things, the resurrection, mm -hmm. when the Son of Man is seating on the throne of glory, you who have followed me will sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last will be first. So again, sometimes that verse is taken out of context. Mm -hmm. But what is he saying? He's saying the ones who thought they were first in line. Not that you're saying, hey, you should always let people go ahead of you in line yeah. or you should always get, be the last. That's not exactly what it's saying. It's saying the people who thought they were first, mm. the people, the Jewish people who thought they were the ones who were saved, the mm -hmm. ones who had the inside route to God's kingdom mm -hmm. are actually going to be on the outside being last. Mm -hmm. the, the people who are the what's considered the lower parts of society or and also Gentiles mm -hmm. are now going to become first yeah again the reversal so in all of chapter 19 we have a reversal mm -hmm. of the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is bringing a the great reversal of society mm -hmm. Jesus is changing things so what does that mean for me okay now how do I apply that to myself what I say well to to be part of the kingdom of God I have to recognize that I have to do things differently than I used to do them. Mm -hmm. I have to do things differently. I have to use different values than the world uses. Mm -hmm. That if those values mm -hmm. conflict with God's kingdom and his word, I have to flip the script mm -hmm. and live differently. And that I have to recognize that I can't look down on someone because they may not be esteemed highly in our society, but recognize in God's eyes, they may be esteemed the most mm -hmm. like children or like the poor, things like that yeah. in that culture was. And then I may, and then I look and see, Hey, is there anything in my life that I've placed above God's kingdom? Mm -hmm. And if there is, then I might be finding myself more on the outside of God's kingdom than I think I'm on the inside. And I need to change my attitude and I need to change where my heart is mm -hmm. so that my heart is willing to give up. Not that I need to see again, a misapplication would be give up everything you right. have. Jesus told him to do that. He's not telling us to do that. Mm -hmm. But what he is saying is be willing to give up anything in your life that in your heart is taking the place of God. Yeah. Yeah. Because obviously this yeah. man, it says he went away sad because he was really wealthy, yeah. meaning he yeah. didn't want to give it up. Yeah. So now then what I do is I can take that and begin to pray about it mm -hmm. and ask the Lord, is there anything in my life right now that I love more than you? Mm -hmm. yeah. And if there is, then what I'm actually doing is not following you. Mm -hmm. I'm following this idol. Mm -hmm. yeah. Therefore, I'm not living the Christian life. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm living something else, but it's not because a Christian is someone who is a Christ follower. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm not following you. So I need to get my heart right. Yeah. So that I'm living what I say I am, which is a Christ follower. Yeah. yeah. So that's where you take it down the line. Then I pray about that mm -hmm. and then probably revisit that a little bit because yeah. that's just a, a foundational thing. And then when I go on to the next chapter, you know, there's not a distinction on Jesus begins talking to a new group. So when I look at chapter 20, I need to think, okay, he's probably still talking to this same group of people in mm -hmm. Judea. So mm -hmm. we're still saying with similar themes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like a basic kind of understanding of yeah. how you would take like a gospel passage and apply it to your life. Yeah. 
That's great because to get that, we didn't open any other books. We didn't have to dive into several commentaries. Uh, most of what you talked about was just what you inferred from the rest of the book mm -hmm. of Matthew or or the context of the Gospels themselves. Mm -hmm. But you brought up a passage that can very easily be taken out of context with, mm -hmm. you know, it's easier for camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven or the first yeah. will be last, last will mm -hmm. be first. But the the power of that passage being in the full context, I love that that's how you give us our application for mm -hmm. what we can then go and do with mm -hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. So the key is, if I would say anything to people, it would just be get out there and start reading. Yeah. yeah. If you don't understand it, that's okay. Yeah. You, you don't have to understand everything and it's okay to ask questions mm -hmm. and use that as your starting off point and begin the first thing. You don't have to even consult a study Bible or a commentary. The very first thing you do is you just ask the Holy spirit. I don't understand this. Mm -hmm. Help me, yeah. help me find the resources, yeah. help me find the people, help me understand this. Mm -hmm. And that's the first place you start. Mm -hmm. And then you just start the messy action of looking for things mm -hmm. and studying and being inquisitive and curious and learning. And amazingly, you know, that's when the Holy Spirit's going to really lead you in the right direction towards things that are going to help you decipher this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. the important thing is just start. If anything I could say is just start reading. Don't start once you figured it all out because that's not going to happen you just start and then the lord will help you through the process yeah i think that's great and i have totally enjoyed this yeah um conversation about how we can study our bible i definitely feel like there's a lot more wisdom we can draw but mm -hmm. I, I think we've run out of time today yeah um but Dwayne, really thank good. you very much yeah, thank for, you so much for joining us for this conversation and we hope to have you back sometime soon on friends yeah. you can grow with 